Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on this episode is a Bitcoin pleb who has taken his kids out of school, sold all his belongings, all of his property, kept the absolute bare minimum, bought a caravan, a big, beautiful caravan. You've got to see his Twitter thread about it. It looks incredible. And now lives the nomad lifestyle, self-sovereign, Bitcoiner family, his wife and two kids, and are traveling around as much of Australia as possible, currently on the West Coast, as you will find out. He's living the dream. He pulled off the Band-Aid. And I know there are so many people listen to this podcast that are ready to do the same. I get questions about it all the time. My recent episode with Bitcoin Q&A, he got so much feedback about how he escaped his fiat job. So, you know, reach out to these guys after you hear them and, and ask them how they did it. Everybody's willing to share. So Maxi Hoddle here from, from down under is going to tell you how he did it and how he escaped fiat life and what fiat life was and those dark, dark days of making these decisions. It's not easy. This is what Bitcoiners excel at, though. This is what I've come to realize. We're good at doing the not easy shit. And there's a great quote. I can't remember who to credit it to, but it's one I always try and think of when I'm making hard decisions myself. Easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. That's what sets a Bitcoiner apart from a normie. So embrace that and listen to this episode, then reach out to Maxi Hoddle afterwards if you have any further questions or myself. Um, he, he's, he very kindly references my book in this, so if you want to go and check out my book, it's called Choose Life. It's pinned on my Twitter profile. You can find it. Uh, it will get shipped to you from anywhere you are in the world via Amazon, or you can download it onto your Kindle. Uh, right, shills. Uh, don't really need to shill the conference. Uh, this is probably being released whilst people are there. Um, probably too late to FOMO in. Swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Get yourself a free 10 bucks. Sign up with those guys across Europe. You can use Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H. Check them out. It's a dollar cost average app across Europe for the Euro plebs and the Brits can use it too. Just link up the Revolut. Coin Corner, they are an exchange, but you can set up auto buys with them and they highly recommend you do. They are also Lightning enabled and you can get your own Lightning email address to share with your friends, uh, which is good fun. Make sure you are taking control of your coins. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitten have you covered. That's 5% discount on the BitBox02 Bitcoin only edition wallet. If you're in the US, there are some cool little uh, side hustle Bitcoin day.io conferences being led by those guys. You can save yourself 10%. Hit the link in the show notes. And if you are across Europe or UK, Bitcoin Reserve have got you. You can stack with them and you can stack in size. White glove service, 50 grand or more. All the links are in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this rip 
with our pleb from Down Under, Maxi Hogg. All right, we are recording, Lauren. We got Maxi Hoddle on the line, all the way from Australia. Yep. You, through, Hi, brother. How you doing, mate? How you doing? You, you're sounding, you sound a little bit scratchy at the end of the yogurt pot there, but we can hear you. <laughs> I'll go find a spot that's a bit less windy, mate. I'm uh, just wandering around without a house these days, mate. So, so I see, uh, and that's how we connected. That that beautiful picture of your of your caravan. Although, Lauren, I, I got to be quiet because Lauren's got to ask the question. Okay, so my first question is, what is a camper van? Uh, sorry, what is the difference between a ca- ca- the camper van and a caravan? Well, here, here in Australia, I think they're the same thing, darling. Um, although a camper van is probably a bit smaller. Um, camper vans often pop up as well. So you, they sort of fold down into something a lot smaller when you're tying it around. And then when people pull up, they, um, you know, press a couple of buttons and pulls, everything pulls out and pops up. So that's probably the one main difference is the caravan's already big. You just sort of tone around this monster of a thing behind you. Camper van squashes down a bit smaller. Hey, hey, Lauren, it's nice to meet you, darling. I've listened to you and your dad very, very many times uh, through his podcast and always listen to you asking all the questions and it's nice to meet you as well nice to meet you too yeah so i i would say the, the way i explained a camper van and caravan to lauren would be a caravan is something that you hitch to the back of a car whereas a camper van is something you you we have loads of camper vans in france and in, in where we live uh, so the people are confined to that one vehicle whereas with a caravan you can unhitch and then you still have your um your car to go and explore oh i see what you're saying yeah so well i was probably getting confused with camper trailer actually so yes you're right there's a lot of uh camper vans getting around here in australia too which you're right it's just a a van that they drive around often called rvs as well but yeah ours is hooked up to our car and we can just unhook it set it up and then go and drive and explore further and come back to our rolling home. But yeah, you're right, Princey. And that sounds a little bit more uh, as if you have a bit more freedom and independence rather than, you know, and you, well, and for people that have got kids as well, you need the extra room. Yeah, spot on. Not only that, but you can, oftentimes you can only, you know, tow your caravan so far if you want to get off the beaten track. And uh, then you can unhook the van and uh, put your hook, turn it into four-wheel drive and continue driving your car way further into the bush or onto the beach. And um, that can't, not so easy to do with a camper van. There you go, Lauren. All right. I have another question. Okay. Um, so what do your kids think about living in a camper van? Because Caitlin, my older sister, will be like, crying she will not want to do it (laughs) (laughs) it's funny you ask this so i've i've got four kids of which two are with us because the older two are 19 and 17 and you know working and living with their boyfriends and girlfriends and so on and then the two kids that are with me are 13 my daughter who is not quite sure about this yet um I can't be honest, she hates it most days. So, 
<laughs> Whereas my five-year-old son loves it. Um, so I think it's a bit of a challenging time for my teenage daughter who uh, used to like having her big bedroom and all the uh, fun things that were in there. Uh, whereas the little man is the happiest he's ever been. So I think it's just a bit of an adjustment period. We're only seven weeks into this since we left the house and um, now live in the van full time. So I'm saying to her, let's give it another couple of months, darling, before you, you know, fully write it off. But there's days where she loves it. There's days where she's like, I just need more space and I want my privacy back, Dad. Because <laughs> in a caravan, there's not many places you can hide, sweetie, you know. Yeah. It's only uh, 23 foot long. It's not like a house where you can go and hide in another room and lock the door. Mm. I don't know. So how old is your sister? Oh, my, uh, my uh, oldest sister is 16. And then Sophia is 14. 14, yeah. 14, yep. Trying to remember. 14, that. yeah. Yeah. So that's the age where uh, they might not, you know, take to it as well as kids that are, you know, from three, or three to 10, I'd say. <laughs> hmm. What's your other question? My other question is, how is the Wi-Fi? Because... <laughs> Uh, my oh. sisters will be crying if they do not have Wi-Fi. Oh, oh, yeah, me and too, you. me too. Yeah, me too uh, and my brother. Yeah, and me to be honest. Yes. That, and and mum. And yeah. So, how how is the Wi-Fi? Yeah. So, the, yeah. Well, this is a bit of a challenge for us too, and this is probably one of the, the biggest um, objections my thirteen-year-old daughter has is that the Wi-Fi is crap. You know, and that's well, we don't have Wi-Fi at this point. We're hotspotting off our phones so um, we're about to have something set up where we will have um, unlimited wi-fi in the van we're getting that sorted with one of our um, telco companies here in australia at the moment and we will have that sorted and then it will be pretty good for pretty much anywhere we are um, that's with a company called telstra over here in australia they've got pretty good coverage but um for now, it's a bit of a, hey, you've used too many gigs, darling. I've got to cut you off for a couple of days. <laughs> and then all hell breaks loose, as you can imagine, when you cut a 13-year-old off from Wi-Fi yes. and they're forced to go outside and mm-hmm. look outside. <laughs> yeah, we're forced to go into the beautiful nature and just look at it for hours. That's it's right. painful. <laughs> yeah, trying to drag you guys out sometimes is... A challenge. But I, I will. It's a challenge, though. Yeah. Yes. Do you have any other questions then, Lauren? Uh... Well, you love the caravan, right? Because yeah. I've shown you the pictures. Yeah. Uh, I, think that... I, might, I think I might um, steal it from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys are ever back here, I've seen you seen that you've travelled here to Perth, Western Australia before, because I saw you stayed in a place called peppermint grove i believe Correct. when i was reading the book is that right princey yep yeah so we we, we stayed there only a uh, couple of months ago ourselves so hey lauren if you're ever back here one day um how about this we all catch up and you can come and stay in the van yes as long as you promise not to steal it <laughs> do you I'm remember I, I got my driver's license so i think i can yeah <laughs> Do you do you remember Lauren <laughs> yeah. the the place where we would go and see the dolphins? We would go and wait for the dolphins to come in and swim up next to us in Australia. 
you'd have been small. So you, no. me or mummy would have been holding you and the dolphins would have come right up to our legs. <laughs> told me a story about it and me and Samuel was crying because we were scared. Yeah. 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 That's what mummy told me. But we need to go back there. Yeah, we do. I want to go back. Please do. Yeah, you're lucky because we went down to that exact same beach and we waited for three hours for the dolphins to come and they never came. So, I don't know, maybe maybe you've got to be here, Lauren, for the dolphins to come in, but they never came for us that day. Oof. Yeah, it's a shame. Mm. That's cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, great part of the world. Cool I, I, can't, I got to tell you, though, man, that the flies do your head in. Oh, bro. Yeah, it's a bit rough. I mean, we're we're just coming to the end of summer here now, which is good because, you know, 80% of them die off, but they are sick when you head north, as you would remember. Uh, so we often head south um, when we're traveling in summertime to escape the flies. And we went north uh, maybe four months ago before we were living, you know, full time in a van, but we'd already started traveling a lot. Um, and it was hell it really was the places we're in were beautiful but we just couldn't wait to get back inside the, the van and close the doors and <laughs> kill all the flies that stuck their way in and yeah it's pretty sick mate i'm not gonna lie yeah it's it's horrible you can't just sit out and have a beer and uh you know a, a, a burger or a steak on the yeah without a head net on no, <laughs> I mean, you know, the pommies, are, they will laugh like the, the classic kind of uh, iconic picture of a, a good old Aussie bloke sitting there with his hat on and the corks hanging down. But there's a reason for those yeah. hats. I have a question. Yep. Yeah, there uh, is. I just got a question. Uh, I got another question. Yeah. Uh, so do you see um, kangaroos and koalas like when you go on your uh, drives? Yeah, we see lots of kangaroos. I mean, they are everywhere here in Australia. Um, so many so that you're always like pretty nervous when you're driving because they like come to the lights on your car and jump out on the road. And we've had many a near miss of, you know, nearly bowling over big roos. Uh, koalas, we haven't been so lucky to come across any yet, but I imagine we're going to see a heap because we've just started this new journey of exploring Western Australia first, and no doubt we will see many. I haven't seen any since I was a kid, Lauren, like I was younger than 10 when I last saw a koala, but as for kangaroos, you see them every week. And sadly, you often see them dead on the side of the road because they are just... I don't know. There's something wrong with them. They they hear a car coming and they're like, okay, let's do the smartest thing and we'll go and jump right on on the road in front of this big truck. And yeah, it's a bit sad. Mm. Uh, yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so you, we've got these little things called roo whistles that you put on the front of your car and um, the air goes through them and they make this high-pitched whistle that us humans can't hear, but um, the roos must be able to. They actually work. Ever since we put those on, uh, we've had no no run-ins with roos on the road. Mm. But before that, oh, my God, we nearly rode off a few cars. See, that's the problem, Lauren. Because they're big, the you know, they're, yeah. they're as tall as you, Lauren. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it, it, you have to be uh, careful around kangaroos because they are really good at boxing and they could break your room. <laughs> and no, I'm serious. They did put them in uh, in boxing matches, and um, and they—that's animal abuse, Lauren. I know. <laughs> I'm serious. They can't. They can break your rib. 
Yeah, they can. Of course, yeah, they, they can. can. I saw a, I saw a video last week of a kangaroo fighting a dog and like punching it in the face, and the dog was trying to attack the the roo, and the roo they get up on their on their tail, uh, like completely, you know, their feet feet come off the ground and everything, and they're just on their tail swinging like like mm. Mike Tyson trying to punch out this dog. So yeah, they're pretty crazy. Yeah, and do you know the tail is for them to like jump better, like for, for balance? Yes, that's correct. How do you Very know this? Homeschooling must be good. I watch uh, when I was little. I watched Wild Kratts. And Wild Kratts, yeah. Maxie. That they 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 were Aussie. Uh, it's an Aussie cartoon. Have you seen that? No. Your kids would love it. Well, probably the first. What's it one. called? Wild Kratts. K R A T S. I can never pronounce that. I'm, I'm writing this down right now. Yeah, it's all about... Lauren um, said you've got to watch this. That's right. That's right. It's going to suck your 3G, 4G hotspot down. But uh, yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Park up outside of Starbucks or something and use the free Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting a bit like that. It's always the last week of the month. We're like, oh, this is a bit tight. You know, I think we've got about... 80 gigs a month, which you think would be all right, but nah, when you've got teenage girls in the van, that's that you can they can do 20 gig in a night, um, <laughs> stream whatever they're streaming. So, <laughs> right, Lauren, do you have any further questions? Um, no, all right, cool, yeah. Well, do you well thanks to, uh... for the questions, darling. I've got one for you if I'm allowed to ask. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I know you've been homeschooled for a long time and. I want to know what you think of that. Compare. Did you ever do any um, normal schooling first, like yes. tra traditional mainstream schooling, and then experience homeschooling, or have you always been homeschooled? Um, it, it, it's it's wobbly. So, um, when I was in Singapore, I went to like uh, a daycare, blah blah blah. I did like they just read us, we played. And then when we left, we started homeschooling. And um, then when we came to France, they put us in a school to learn French. And um, mm -hmm. and then uh, COVID came and my dad uh, was friends with a guy who created an online school. And he said, hey mm -hmm. guys, do you want to try this out? And we're like, yeah, I'll try it out. And well, we will try it out. And ever since that, Today I have gotten better at everything, my math, my writing, my reading. I before when I was in school, I absolutely hated reading, but now I'm a bookworm. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm hearing a lot of stories like this. So it's cool to hear it from a young girl like yourself. So it sounds like homeschooling for the win is better than learning better and enjoying it more than mm. traditional mainstream. Yeah. Plus, it wasn't that fun in um, school, uh, but it's fun in um, my online school, and I, I can only learn by like doing something fun with it, just be like doing crazy stuff with it, and just making up like stuff, and then I I can see it, and then I can do it. Yeah, the critical difference is with with Galileo because. You, you have the choice. It's up to you to choose rather than be forced or, um, you know, it's not compulsory learning. So you, your day today will be the clubs that you choose to go. To. I actually have to go. Okay. I actually have a club right now. What's the club so right now? It's, um, <laughs> it's the uh, showcase. 
the showcase, right? And that's when the kids, they come on and they do little um, presentations about what they've learned this week, right? Yeah. Which is voluntary. Well, not yeah. learned, but like wanted to learn and share with everyone. Yeah. Okay. Basically. So it's oh, kind of like, cool. yeah, it's, it's like a virtual online show and tell, but it's not been forced upon the kids. It's up, they don't have to do it. You don't even have to attend, the, the, right? The, yeah, but the teachers ask just in case, you know, just like, hey, you're doing this? And they're like, no, where are we go. Okay. Well, do you want to run off then? And well, go I'm and sure it's fun do? to go and show off all the uh, things you've learned to your, your other friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Okay. Very fun. You're standing yeah. on hot coals right now, yeah. aren't you? Go yes, on. I need yeah. to. <laughs> okay. See you. Bye. Thanks for answering all my questions. See you. Nice to meet you. Have yeah, fun. Nice to meet you too. Bye. All right, cheers, man. Um, should we? Uh, she's cool. Bro. I love Thank how you do this and uh, you involve the kids. It's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's uh, yeah, it's been um, like I've like I've explained before. Uh, it it happened uh, naturally, almost by accident. That uh, she she asked if she could come in and ask one of the questions to one of the guests, and that actually happened to be Andy Edstrom. The, I think it was about, I don't know, the 10th or 12th person on the show. So, she, yeah, yeah, she had shown an interest in what I was doing. And, you know, it would have been, it, it, Fiat Dan would have said, no, this is my work. Stay out, keep the door closed and be quiet. But, you know, Bitcoin Dan is like, yeah, let's go. Because you have a complete mind yeah, shift. And it's been amazing. Yeah. It's been amazing having her on the podcast and uh, helping out and getting to learn so much from everybody. Oh, it's, it's awesome, bro. It's probably one of the, uh, I think, the only podcast that I've, and I listen to a lot of different Bitcoiners and a lot of podcasts in general, and it's a pretty big standout for yours, mate. I think you've done a great job. And like you said, it is, you know, Fiat Dan would have said no. I, that was, I was exactly the same. You know, the kids were sort of not to be around when you were doing your business. Um, but, it, you know, that changes, eh? Bitcoin yeah. changes you, man. It does. All right, let, let's delve into that because the plebs are going to love to hear your story about how you've extricated yourself from fiat life, sold your houses, gone on um, a, a trip around Western Australia, living out the van, living the, the, the Bitcoin kind of dream. Uh, let, let's wind it back. What, what was fiat life for you? Uh, fiat life for me was quite a few things. The, the, I wind it right back. I as a young 17-year-old boy, I um, jumped straight out of grade 10 and got myself a trade as a carpenter and really enjoyed doing that. That was, that was a lot of fun for a good 10 years. Um, and then it got to that point where it started to become a little bit monotonous and uh, I felt like I was maybe destined for a bit more or, you know, I just wasn't quite doing it for me anymore. Um, but it was great to have that trade to always fall back onto and I did enjoy you know building a lot of houses even for myself as well and my family and so on um, then I did something similar to what you did I got myself involved in foreign exchange trading and um, ended up coaching that for about five years and uh, looked after about uh, 12 1200 maybe 1250 clients that we were attempting to teach um, how to trade foreign exchange profitably. Um, and I did that for, I think, four, maybe five years. And that had me, um, that was a 
a great period of my life. I really enjoyed that, going around and uh, I flew all over Australia, um, teaching that and running seminars and and so on. Um, the company that I'd done that with ended up having some some issues and eventually, long story short, the that company went under. And then I was sort of like, oh, what now? And I found myself getting back on the tools again and, um, you know, went back to to work. Um, I always work for myself, but I was just was always searching for more Princey. I was kind of like, surely this isn't it, just working every day. Um, same thing, day in, day out, watching the kids go to school coming home, like you said in your book, um, spending a couple of hours with the family, loving it, then heading off to work again early the next day and missing just about everything. And um, I think because I've been involved in foreign exchange um, trading, some friends of mine years ago, maybe 2015, first told me, hey, you should check out this Bitcoin thing. And so I, I started looking into that purely just as an instrument to trade because of its volatility and um, started doing that and then started trading shit coins and um, had some you know some from phenomenal trades and made a lot of money and then also had some terrible periods and blew it all back up the wall if you know what I mean so that was um, that was how I got introduced to, to Bitcoin and it was then that I started delving deeper and deeper into it and eventually come across Safedean's book, Bitcoin Standard. That was a huge pivot point for me when I realized that Bitcoin is far more than just something you can trade in and out of for profits, but it might actually be something you can uh, acquire as hard money. That was a, a big learning curve for me, mate. So that's how I came to be here. Um, and Fiat World was, yeah, a mix of uh, carpentry and running my own businesses and, and foreign exchange trading. So what led you to the that, that ultimate point of selling everything and, you know, hitting the road? Uh, it was, Twitter was good for me because um, I quickly realized that what I was doing by just, trading it and um, also trading all these different shit coins and reading hundreds of white papers and thinking that all these different altcoins were going to be the next Bitcoin. Like that was me. I'll, I'll admit I was a, a hectic shit coin. I had no idea what I was doing and I was just continually trading. But Twitter um, eventually led me to some better voices to listen to um, like yourself and Stefan Levera and, Preston Pitch and um, Safedean Amos and, you know, John Vallis. And, and, and I started to realise, you know, there's a whole lot more to this. And then I read so many books and it was probably about a year into that journey where I the, the realisation hit me that this is something that could potentially really change our lives and change me. And I started... Stacking Bitcoin, I sold every shitcoin I had, and that was early 2017. And from that moment on, it was everything I did was based around how can I acquire more sats, 
and DCA disposition bigger and bigger. Um, and I just worked very hard in my business and began selling off assets that we had, rental properties and toys and, you know, all the superfluous bullshit that you have to try and, you know, tell yourself that you're living a good life and show others that you're living a good life. I started selling all of that and um, acquiring a bigger and bigger Bitcoin stack. And then we started realizing that maybe this, what felt like a pipe dream lifestyle could actually be realized. And Bitcoin is absolutely the main reason that that's become achievable for us. And my my wife or my fiance at the time and I had dreamt about living on the road and getting rid of the house and you know getting rid of all our stuff. We'd, we'd started watching YouTube videos and following families that were living minimalist lifestyles. And then we started looking into homeschooling and it was admittedly extremely overwhelming. Um, but we just took it one step at a time and fast forward to 2022, here we are. We, uh, in the in the words of Klaus Schwab, we own nothing and we're very happy. <laughs> that's a that's a joke. We, we own Bitcoin, but um, in terms of physical possessions, you know, we have this caravan and a car, and basically whatever we couldn't fit in the caravan, we sold or gave away. And um, yeah, now we feel quite light and free, and the idea is we will go where the wind blows, and it's very freeing, man. It is. I've never felt anything like it. Uh, it. And it was so addictive when when we started doing it. But like the, the when you face the task ahead of you, the idea of, you know, just clearing out your house, uh, you know, that that alone can stop people, let alone getting lost in the rabbit hole of alternative education choices. Because nowadays, yeah, that that it's not a problem of there's not enough information out there. It's a problem of holy shit. Like, look at all of this and what do we choose to do and what's best for us? And we're just so conditioned by the education system that we went through ourselves. We're just so conditioned to be like, just someone tell me the answer, please. Because we've been taught, if you think about how you're taught, you're taught as a young kid, right? Here's a problem in the book and the answer's in the back. Or the teacher at the front of you, of the room is going to tell you the answer. But when you're trying to look at these, these problems, these real life problems, there is no answer and you've just got to get on with it and, and make your own decisions. And like you said, go where the wind takes you. Mm. Yeah, and for me, Princey, it was kind of, I've, I've got four children now and the the older two, um, you know, we've phenomenal relationships and very close, but I'll admit that I missed a lot of their childhood and that's, you can't wind the clock back. And, uh, you know, any parent that's, you know, maybe listening to this and, you know, having the same thoughts of should I bite the bullet and maybe change my lifestyle, fuck yes, do it. Because the only regret I would have is not having spent more time with the kids. And that was because I was sort of stuck on the hamster wheel of, you know, chasing the next dollar and and providing a a good, you know, life for them. Um, And that was really weighing on my mind heavily especially you know with my youngest son knowing this is definitely our last last child and not having any more and I want to be able to spend as much time with all of the kids um, moving forwards and 
that, that there was no other way of doing it than making some radical choices. And like you said, there was like, I had absolute paralysis for a long time. Like, where do I start? What's the first move? Like, what, 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 where do you, did you, do you start homeschooling first? Or did you just start selling your stuff off first? Or what's the first thing you do? And for me, the only like clear answer that I could think of was, well, first, for me, I wanted to create a bit of a financial buffer around us, and that meant, all right, I know one thing I can do, and that is acquire as much Bitcoin as I can. And so I started doing that. And while I was doing that, I felt like, okay, I'm at least walking in the right direction here. While I'm while I'm stacking sats, I can then begin to delve down the uh, the other rabbit holes of homeschooling, um, home education, minimalist lifestyle, and so on. And but yeah, man, I, there was times where I'm like, what am I doing? This is crazy. Um, and sure as hell, all your friends around you are going to tell you you're, you're wild, you're mad, and that you're doing a disjustice or a disservice to, to your family. Um, I got a lot of that. I was going so to ask you about that. That's, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about. Because for, for, any, for any of the plebs that are listening to this and, and going through this kind of turmoil in their mind, uh, you'd have had exactly the same experience that I had sleepless nights, endless thoughts, yeah. sitting there daydreaming at my office job, looking out like the, the tiny loft window of the attic office that we were in that was, you know, downtown Singapore, supposed to be, you know, a beautiful region, just locked in there with numpties that you didn't want to be surrounded by and thinking, I cannot do another 20 years of this. This is just complete nonsense. And reading the books and going down the rabbit holes and then figuring it all out and then coming to that final decision takes a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of research. And then when you start telling people your plans, what you're going to do, you feel elated because all of that worry is now gone because you've made the decision. But then you get the backlash from other people who are just like, for them, it's come out of the blue. Like they had no idea that you were even contemplating this. And that's when you that's when you hit that brick wall of like, the social construct around you. And it's going to cause a lot of friction between family members and close friends and people that you are very close with. Now, that it sounds aggressive from them. Uh, it is coming from a place of love, but it's just delivered in such a fashion that it just sounds as if they're pointing the finger at you. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the only thing I maybe don't agree on that it was all coming from a place of love. I think a lot of it was coming from a place of love, but there was definitely a few people that in hindsight, it was coming from a place of um, maybe jealousy, even mm. like, how dare you do, how dare you go and try that? That's not what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to work to your 65 and then live off your pension, bro. Like you can't, you can't buck the trend. You're going to, you, you just can't do that. Stay, in, stay inside these four walls, man. Otherwise, I'm going to get uncomfortable watching you live a different life. I definitely experienced a bit of that from a few certain people. Yep. Thankfully, Princey, my, my, my family around me have always been extremely supportive, so parents and siblings and so on. They've always uh, they raised us well in the, in, in the way of, hey, go do it. You know, Whatever you want to do, go do it. Try it. So there was no... Uh, I think when I was reading your book, maybe uh, I think I remember a part where 
you went out for dinner with your your, your parents one night in, in Thailand and you told them what you was going to do and and uh, it, the night didn't end well. And uh, I felt for you because I, I never really had that from my parents, but from from friends, yeah, absolutely. And even to this point now that we've actually done it and are living it out, uh, a few friends have unfortunately dropped off, you know, like they don't really want to chat so much anymore. And I think because it maybe shines a light on their inability to execute on something that they might want to do as well. So a little bit of tall poppy syndrome um, mixed in with a whole lot of love and care from other people that don't want to see you do the wrong thing because what they did in their mind worked well for them. And that was, you know, work your ring off and, you know, live a mediocre life and then enjoy your life when you're 65 and you're, you're tired and old. Well, maybe not old, but tired. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was definitely, um, definitely mixed, mixed signals coming from, from different groups. That's for sure. The, the, the tall poppy syndrome struggle is so real, uh, you know, or keeping up with the Joneses, whatever you want to call it. Uh, somebody was calling it the other day on Twitter spaces, uh, crabbing, because uh, if you've got a bunch of crabs in a bucket and one almost makes it to the top to escape, the others will pull it back down. So it's uh, uh, and that's exactly yeah, what correct. happens, exactly what happens in in human society as well. We, we're conditioned to compete against one another uh from from the age of five as you well know uh you know you, yeah. you're always supposed to beat the the people in your class you're going to get judged very heavily either way whether you've done well whether you've done mediocre or whether you've done poorly and you're also conditioned to make sure that the person next to you is is not doing the same as you not copying you not plagiarizing your work and that you are to be as good as you can be at their expense and then when you yeah. step out, like you like you say, you step across that line and say, you know what? Fuck that game. I'm tired of that game. I'm going to go and make my own game up over here. They get pissed because it's like, they no. They do, yeah. You're supposed to just play this game, guys. And, and you know, Bitcoin is a, another example of flipping the game board. It's like, no, I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm going over to this parallel structure over here and, it goes hand in hand all of these things with whether it's homeschooling or selling all of your possessions to go traveling like yourself and like we did and as as we were talking about never felt freedom like it before ever um you know yeah, no one because we were skipping countries as well no one could keep up with us no one cared that was one thing i suddenly realized you know having been just such a state cuck my whole life and, and paying the taxes and, and doing everything right by the rules of the game. The once we started moving around or were perpetual tourists, it's like, wow, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> this is, this is actually life. Yeah, I know. It sort of hits you in the face a bit, doesn't it? It's kind of like sometimes when you're at work every day, you're just doing the monotonous mundane stuff. And, you know, you, you, you you're telling yourself that you're doing it to get ahead, but, I mean, really all we've got now, this moment, right? And I know that sounds like, you know, some real high-level spiritual bullshit, but it, it's so true. It's like all, all we've got is, is now with our kids right now, with our families right now. And uh, But you're so right, man. If you, you, like going back to that crab in the bucket analogy, I noticed that once, if you do manage to get out of that bucket, 
they're all in there in the bucket yelling, get back in here. I don't like that you're out there. Get get your ass back in here with us. And um, yeah, that's that's been something I didn't expect um, or not, not to this level anyway. I've definitely felt a lot of that. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I, I want to come back to uh, talking about before you left and how you started stacking and you came to the realization of, of what you were actually holding. Uh, I wonder how many people listening to these podcasts or, or reading the books or are still out there that do not have that understanding of what they're holding. Perhaps they've got a bit of Bitcoin and it's just held on an exchange or something uh, or an app um, and they're still messing around with the shit coins and, and trying to you know diversify their portfolio how how i mean obviously i do the podcast to try and help people understand it's i mean, i don't know what are your feels what what's your feeling on that how do you um kind of gauge people's understanding uh yeah i mean i can sympathize with people that maybe don't understand what they're holding because that was that was me i just saw it as, a, as an instrument to trade just like oh phenomenal volatility let's let's scout this and try and increase uh, our fiat stack. But um, uh, the penny drop moment for me was, and I know a lot of people reference this book, but I, I it truly was the penny drop moment for me, which was um, Safe Dean's The Bitcoin Standard. That that was like, oh, right. And then I read it again. I read it again. So I read that book three times. And, and from that moment on, I think that was uh, early 2018, I think, if the timeline's right, or late 2018. Um, that's when I realised, okay, i now got blinkers on. I know exactly what I need to do, and that is just to acquire as much of this asset, property, you know, whatever you want to um, frame it as in your mind, you need to just continue to acquire as much as possible. And then I, you know, started reading a lot of other books as well, like Nut, Nut, uh, Stan Holmes, Bitcoin, and um, Jan Fritz's Inventing Bitcoin, and uh, The Bullish Case of Bitcoin by Vijay Bapati. There's, you know, there's a, so many brilliant books you can read, right? Um, and then from there, you maybe another one would be a, read the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. And once you start to realise how broken the system is that we've been living under and why it's so hard for people to get ahead. That penny drop moment is just amplified. And uh, I think the best thing you can do is get your blinkers on and, um, you know, just acquire as much Bitcoin as you can. But do the work, read the books. Um, otherwise, you'll just forever be going around in circles, trading in and out of this shit coin and in and out of that shit coin with the intention of trying to increase your fiat balance. But um, if you can change change your mindset a little and realise that you need to be acquiring sats, satoshis, and as much Bitcoin as you can, it all becomes a lot clearer. It did for me anyway. It sort of gave me a, a really clear goal in my mind of what, what I need to do. And then you begin looking around at all the stuff you've got, you know, all the all the bullshit that you've acquired for to keep up with the Joneses. You know, the car, the nice cars in the driveway, and the motorbikes, and the jet skis, and the all the things that you, you're buying to, to try and, you know, create happiness when really you can do away with all that stuff and inquire this, acquire as much of this hard money as you can 
And then it just gives you endless opportunities, I believe. It did for me anyway. Yeah, 100%. Right, let, let's go back to when you were trading FX uh, because you, okay. like, <laughs> you, like myself, have sat in these seats. Um, you've consulted with the people. Uh, I, was, I was on the broking side, so I sat right. there in between the banks and the, the the heads of foreign exchange desks that were putting on like huge size positions uh and we understand it's just a great big massive casino as close to the canty yep. effect as you could ever get as close to the spigot of money as possible but what so so talk us through then the kind of like a typical meeting you you would sit down or a typical coaching session what would be the type of things that you would uh, coach people about? And then I want to try and, uh, once we've discussed this in foreign exchange, I want to try and link it to Bitcoin and some of the FUD we see out of like, uh, you know, well-respected trading houses and, and whatever else. But let's start it there. So uh, I'm I'm a new client. You you come and sit in, in the boardroom and you explain to me about foreign exchange. What What's the kind of spiel? Yeah, so we we were we were taking um, retail traders and trying to help them trade profitably. So a lot of a lot of what I was doing was teaching them how to manage risk um, and how to develop their trading mindset. You know, because what what I I mean the industry stats was ninety seven percent or something. Don't quote me on it, but something like that would blow their accounts within three to six months and we kept seeing that over and over and over again um and we would have you know we were giving trading trading signals and giving entry and exits for people to follow um and yet five percent of, of our clients would would make money consistently and the other 95 percent would would have mega drawdowns and uh, and even blow accounts and so i i guess the one thing I learned, Princey, from doing that for four or five years was most people are better off to not trade. And um, that's, again, why I love the, 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 the best way to approach Bitcoin of just DCAing your position and not attempting to trade it is because most people will eventually lose their shirt, right? <laughs> eventually blow their account. So, yeah, that was, that was my job was, sitting there and um you know trying to teach people how to manage their risk properly and um you know some picked it up really well and did quite well but the majority of people didn't and um you know that's only a small sample i know 1200 odd clients but out of that 1200 well over a thousand ended up uh doing doing dough or, or just breaking even after two years or you know <laughs> so much time and effort going into trying to craft this this trade of managing risk and managing emotions and um still none the better off other than the the, the slight few and so again i would carry that over into bitcoin is you know you hear so many people preaching on twitter don't trade it just just buy it and buy it and hold buy and hold and I'm a huge believer in that um, because the emotions of trading are so high, and you're it's, it's a difficult thing to remain profitable over time. I'm sure you've got similar experiences. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, same, very much the same kind of story. Uh, would you ever teach these guys uh, technical analysis? Because we see a lot of this now creeping into the Bitcoin space. Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. We we do, you know, three day workshops. You know, eight, eight hours a day for three days straight, teaching technical analysis and and then merging the risk management into it and spending hours staring at charts. And um, I, I I loved it. I I, I do. Um, I did enjoy that side of it, but I still um, am of a firm belief that most people shouldn't trade. And that's, yeah, that's why when I first came to, to Bitcoin, that's all I was doing was trading it and spending hours with a good, good friend of mine who's also on um, on, on Twitter and a, a big Bitcoiner. He's the first person that actually showed it, showed it to me. A great technical trader. Um, yet still, we have both, well outperformed um, by just DCAing. So it says it all, doesn't it? And to the point where I just don't trade anymore at all. Um, I, I'm, I really do practice what I preach now, which is just don't trade, just just buy and hold and DCA your position. You like to sleep, right? That, that's the way I, uh, I look at it as well. Yeah, you sleep better. So the, the the way I wanted to link this back to like the FUD that we see out there uh, from so many people, uh, whether it's just um, retail people, um, what what pisses me off more is this volatility FUD that you see from like uh, big trading houses, banks, or, or or people that should know better, right? That they turn around. If if a trader, if someone like Jim Crater, for Jim Jim Kramer, for example, who believes yeah. himself to be the best ever risk manager and trader that's ever walked this earth, and is just the biggest joke and, and clown of a man. Yeah. Uh, if if he turns around <laughs> and says something along the lines of, "Well, you shouldn't be touching Bitcoin because it's just too volatile," I mean, the red flag is straight up because. As you know, yeah. volatility is a trader's friend, right? That is what you want in an asset. Correct. Yeah. Again, that's why I first like came came to Bitcoin. I was like, this is phenomenal. The volatility I've never seen volatility like this before. Um, you know, but that that's that's nonsense talk now. You, you, when they say things like that, I mean, look look what happened to Facebook last week. <laughs> volatility starting to show itself everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. in, in big ways. How do you deal with the FUD when people say to you something like that? If you've just got a normal pleb noob that says there's no way in the world I'm going to touch that, it's far too volatile. Uh, I don't want my, you know, if I put 10,000 in this week, I don't want it to be 7,000 know, a week and a half later. Yeah, well, this is this is where it seems so simple the DCA approach, um, and sometimes simple is best. And that's what I've always said to every single person that I've helped introduce to Bitcoin. I tell them two things: don't touch it if you're not prepared to store it and store your wealth there for a minimum of four years. Right? Just if if you're trying to make a quick buck in and out, just just stay away from it. It's probably not for you. But if you want to increase your wealth long term, then develop this strategy, which is Buy and hold, dollar cost average. If you've got forty thousand dollars you want to put into Bitcoin, maybe do you know a hundred dollar buys each day until you've you've got your stack in, um, and 
ignore the volatility, you know, go, go back and look at Bitcoin's history over the last 12, 13 years. And, you know, it's, it's hard to, when you look at a, look at the chart and go back to say 2013, I mean, that was extremely volatile period, right? Yet you can barely see it on the chart anymore. <laughs> you, you can hardly even notice it. And Bitcoin, you know, it is still volatile as hell, but volatility can work in, in your favor if you're using a dollar cost average approach, because if it, dumps right back down then the, the, i think the way i i the penny really dropped for me was if you can find a way where you don't care what the market's doing each day and you're happy no matter what then you found the holy grail really and that in my mind is what dollar cost averaging is because if you're buying today or let's just go back two days you're buying two days ago at forty-eight thousand dollars and now you can buy it today for 44 well you're happy right because you're getting more sats for your same hundred dollars you're putting in or thousand dollars whatever you're doing ten dollars whatever it doesn't matter um so that way you're you're happy if it's going down you're happy if it's staying sideways you're happy if it's going up in fact it got to a point where i was so aggressively stacking that i was so pissed off when it was going up (laughs) so pissed off you know of course your existing stack is increasing in in fiat terms, but if your goal is to acquire as much Bitcoin as you can, then the bigger the dumps, the better. Um, let volatility work in your favour and stop trying to trade the bloody thing. Stop trying to scout fiat profits and just acquire as much bloody hard money Bitcoin as you can. And yeah, I, I know it sounds so simple and people people get um, really upset when you say just DCA, don't trade. Um, I see a lot of people on Twitter get really upset about that. And I would have done 10 years ago too, because, you know, we taught trading. A lot of these people that are get upset about you just promoting DCA are people that are getting paid to run trading signals, right? So that's got to say something. But yeah, I mean, I still get that a lot. A lot of people say Bitcoin's too volatile and, and I point that out to them and show them a way where you can be happy no matter what the market's doing. In fact, you're happy when it is. Um, going down and it's like the penny drops and I've got quite a lot of friends that have got some very large positions that they've built and built their stack really high just from continuing to dollar cost average in and these are people that came to Bitcoin in 2015, 2016, 17 and um, bought, got, you know, got scared when the market dropped and sold out and vowed to never touch it again and Bitcoin's the worst and (laughs) Uh, it's a horrible instrument and you know all these kind of narratives that i'd hear and now they call me up and they're like so excited oh bro i got it this morning a phone call from a friend Did you see bitcoin dump four thousand dollars i'm so happy <laughs> it's like <laughs> there you go man you you've you have worked it out you know if you could be happy when bitcoin's dumping you have worked out the winning strategy in my opinion just keep buying and what's really and don't over leverage don't over leverage. Yes, go for it. Yeah, so don't. I always say to people, don't don't spend your rent money. You know, don't go silly. Don't 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 put your your kids' food money for the week into Bitcoin. Like, just be be uh, you know be mature about it, and um, you know be a bit smarter than that. Set it set aside an amount that you can afford to go without each weekend. Even uh, each week, sorry, or even kick a habit that's not serving you. If you're a smoker, I have a friend that used to smoke $150 worth of cigarettes a week. And, um, 
three years ago. I helped he stopped doing that and started um, putting it into Bitcoin, and now he's stacked quite high from that one habit alone. Um, so you know, there's there's many ways you can do this, but yeah, obviously don't don't go to a point where you're you're buying so so much that uh, you're stressing about prices going down because. It all comes back to that one that one piece of advice that that I like to give to a lot of people, which is if you're not prepared to hold it for four years, just walk away. Don't, it's not for you yet. You're not you're not ready to increase your wealth yet. If you can't think four years ahead, then it's probably not for you. Maybe maybe stay at work. And I know that sounds harsh, but that'll often make people be like, no, 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 it is for me. I can do this, and so we'll sit down and say, what's an amount you can go without. And set up a DCA, an auto DCA. Um, just about every good Bitcoin exchange out there has that now. And just automate it and go about your go about your your day. You know. Yeah, and what's sad uh, about that? You know, we've had this mindset drilled into us. Well, it's the way, it's the function of the system, isn't it? Like you're talking about earlier, you read Jekyll Island and you it all becomes so clear. You can connect all the dots. And I'm sure now you can think back to your trading coaching days. The poor bastards were there paying money for this coaching just to try and figure out a way to to get ahead somehow because they've run out of ideas. They're, they know there's something wrong with the system. They know they're never going to be able to get where they need to be just by doing their 10, 12 hour a day shift. So they're forced into the casino to try and find a way to, to, to get ahead in life. And now they all end up getting wrecked. That's what the shitcoin casino is. That's exactly the same. That's about as fiat as you're ever going to get. And then Bitcoin's the Holy Grail. Like you say, it's, it's, it's so difficult trying to coach people out of that interim period yeah i know and it was you're know, going back to forex days it was admittedly soul destroying because you, you're right you would see people come in and and they're like i've got to find a way to make more money because the fiat world is not working um you know i'm on this hamster wheel i'm working my ass off i'm working two jobs and and i'm barely keeping ahead so you're right i've got to come here and work out a way to to make more money and and when you'd see them you know fund an account with you know 100 grand and three months later they've blown it and they've blown it because their emotions were too high and they're, they're trading money they should never have been trading and you know all the all those things that was fucking soul destroying for me and as much as i loved watching people you know learn learn the craft and do well there was always a larger 90% that weren't and over time would blow their accounts. And that's the exact same thing I see in crypto land. Um, and I just, I despise it. And it's because it's the same thing. They're, they, they come and buy Bitcoin and then like, Oh, look at all these shiny fucking shit coins. Um, you know, oh, this one's probably going to be the next Bitcoin. I'll buy that. And before they know it, I've got 30 different, nonsense tokens in their wallet um and it's the exact same you know casino wheel like you said it really is that that they were attempt you know trying to say solve the same problem they were before which they don't have enough money and now here they are again doing the same thing but just in a in a in another world in crypto world and 
Yeah, that's why I think becoming a Bitcoiner and um, like I sleep good now because the only thing I recommend to anyone is if you want to increase your wealth, then it's Bitcoin only, touch nothing else. DCA, don't trade. You literally cannot fuck it up. And uh, it just works. And yeah, I guess you're right. The the similarities between foreign exchange trading and shitcoin trading is all very similar. Eh? I can imagine it must be yeah so much more rewarding for you now. Uh, the 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 fact that you know we we have this. I, I'm sure we all feel this when we're orange pilling people. Uh, you know, it's very it's very easy to sell truth. Uh, you're never going to lose sleep over trying to orange pill someone. Whereas if no. you've got that client, if you wind back to your fiat days, like you say, you know someone's dropped in 100 grand. You know that person is already over leveraged, but at the same time, you're getting patted on the back by your colleagues and your bosses because of the amount of commission that you're bringing in. Correct, yeah. And you always look at them like, are you going to be the one to do well or are you going to lose your shirt again in three months' time? And, mm. and you know, generally after a few meetings sitting with them, you would, you would get a, you know, get a grasp on them pretty quick of whether they're going to be all right or not. But it's not, you know, in, in fiat world, you can't give that good advice of, listen, man, I don't think this is for you. <laughs> I think you should pull your 100K back out. Otherwise... You know, you get railed by your superiors. You you lose your comms, so you you know you can't go on that holiday you was going to go on. You know all that. It, it was horrible, right? It was, it was horrible. And so yeah, this this is a feels good now to to do this because firstly you make nothing off anyone um, if they come to you for advice and you give them advice to Bitcoin. So it's it's not biased advice. It's just generally. I've got an answer for a problem you might have. Uh, it worked for me really well. It's worked for hundreds of thousands of other people as well. If you can just implement it and follow it, it'll work for you too. And it feels so much better, man. As you would know, it's so much better. Because yeah. you know they can't really. Exactly. To the point where I, someone comes to me now, it's like where, where it's, it's a Bitcoin-only exchange. You know, I'm not even going to tell them about an exchange that has got shit coins on it because your human nature is, you know, you suck in the calls of, oh, I just saw this dog coin. Um, what do you reckon? Should I allocate 5% of my portfolio into that? So, uh, you know, don't want all my eggs in one basket, right? I need to diversify. <laughs> I'm like, listen, man, <laughs> you don't have to do that here with Bitcoin. You don't have... The whole point of diversification was the fact that you you, you know you, of all the you're trying to pick winners and most of them are going to be losers. That's why you have to diversify. But with Bitcoin, you don't have to do that. Bitcoin Bitcoin is is the holy grail, in my opinion. Diversification as well is an idea from the incumbent uh, financial legacy system to make sure that you're always chopping in and out of trade so they can get their commission. Correct. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. More for the broker. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. Like, here we have, here we have Bitcoin. So, all right, well, we've done loads on that. So now I want to talk about van life, mate. Um, 
tell the plebs that sure. uh, you know how, how you how you put this one into um, kind of operation. What what was the 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 thought processes must have been something along the lines of well, I won't put words in your mouth, but I, I'm I'm guessing should you just rent out the the house and take the van or just fully sell it and you know what what was your what was your thinking how did you make these plans and what did you end up going with yeah sure so the the properties um i'd already decided that i wanted to sell the properties we had and move it into bitcoin anyway and that came from like honestly close to a thousand hours of of reading and podcasting and delving deep down that bottomless Bitcoin rabbit hole that we all have fallen into and there's no bottom in sight, right? Um, so the, the more I be the more I realized that Bitcoin is where it's at, the easier it became for me to start selling off all the things. So I'd already began that process. Um, then it was just down to all right, do we sell the house we're living in? Um, are we gonna execute this traveling life that we always dreamed of and that's when the sleepless nights came princey you know what am i doing mm-hmm. you know that last monkey brain was like come on man no one does this um and a lot of it was what if it doesn't work out you know what if we don't like it what if my friends will laugh um i'll come back with my tail between my legs and you know a lot of monkey brain stuff going on and the, i think the, the realization hit me one day that a lot of what was swaying my decisions was how much I worried about what other people thought of me. And I began to do some work on learning to not give a fuck about that. And once I'd got that under control, then I was like, all right, babe, are we doing this or what? And she's super supportive, always has been. I've got, I've got a good woman by my side. She's always um, basically just, whatever you want to do, I'll follow you. So, you know, that's, that's rare in a woman these days. So, you know, a lot of credit goes to her for being supportive for me um, and being on board. So she's just sort of trusted me, which to be honest, put more pressure on my shoulders because I'm like, fuck, I really, I really am the one making the final decision here. But in the end, um, after procrastinating for far too long, I was like, I don't really know where to start. What's the first thing to do? So I, pulled my daughter out of school to begin homeschooling and um, my young son was just about ready to start schooling so we did that that was the first thing um, then we went down to we live in Perth Western Australia so we went to a full drive camping and caravan show and picked out our van and I, my thought process was if I buy the van then fuck, I've, I've got to do it, hey. I've got to start, I've got to actually start putting stuff in the van and, you know, sell everything else we had. So we, we did that um, just late last year, actually, in the end of 2021. And then the van pulled up and then all the anxiety hit me again, like, what are you doing? Are you really doing this? Um, but by that point, I'd, I'd, you know, wound out of the, the, the carpentry business that I was running and finished off the final contracts that I had with that and um, hadn't taken on any more work and uh, there was nothing really holding holding me back. So we just were like, well, the van's there in the driveway. We better start 
putting stuff in it. And we just, yeah, spent about three crazy weeks where we just sold everything. And oh, to be honest, we gave most of it away. Um, and whatever we couldn't fit in the van either got sold or got given and gifted all our clothes. You know, it's a pretty, you, you of all people would know what this is like. Looking at your yeah. wardrobe, you've got 15 pairs of shoes and, you know, you've got maybe five suits in there that you've probably got no intentions of ever wearing again, but you don't want to let them go because it's part of your identity and you used to wear them so much and, you you know, you, you, I don't know, it was hard, I will admit, and going through all your stuff and narrowing it down to, you know, you've got 15 pairs of shoes, pick two, um, you've got, you know, 100 T-shirts, pick three, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe it wasn't three, maybe five, but you know what I mean. So that that was that was a daunting process. And then here we were three weeks later and we'd, we'd done it and everything was sold and we had no property anymore and had no work. And I retired. Uh, my, my, my wife was my fiancé at the time. We got married just in, in December of last year. Um, right before our wedding, I was like, time for you to quit work and she's like oh my god are we really doing this and I'm like yeah quit work um and then yeah and then again once it was all done and everything's in the van and we own nothing except except what's in the van and got rid of the house um and hooked the car up it was again another massive moment of excitement but equal anxiety of like what are we doing this is you know, is this the craziest thing ever? Are we going to regret this? Um, and, yeah, the first week was a bit weird, you know. It was kind of like this no fixed address thing. Like you always you always just want to go home, right? <laughs> but your home's with you. So that was, a weird, that was a weird feeling and took us a couple of weeks to adjust to. I think we're seven or eight weeks into it now. So we're very early days. But to be honest, mate, um, we love it. The, my, the, the kids love it. My my older daughter's uh, she's she comes, you know, she's to and fro a bit. One day she loves it, the next day she wants her her bedroom back with you know the TV and the the door with the lock on it and things like that. But we're working through that. But overall, we love it, man. And I can see us doing this for a long, long time. When you pulled your daughter out of school, I'm sure the plebs are going to want to know how how that went. Um, it obviously is a little bit different, might have been an easier sell, what with uh, the, the COVID restrictions and lockdowns and mask mandates in, in some regions. Well, how did that go? How, how was that received? Well, it's funny you said that. COVID is probably the, the, the main driver for what actually you know, tipped us over the line because like many other people that are listening to this or have executed on this life, you talk about it so bloody long and you, you, you know, you're constantly fighting yourself in your own mind and thoughts and so on. Um, and we talked about homeschooling for a year and, but just never executed on it. It's just another day rolled into another day and kept dropping her off at school. And, but then when COVID come along, um, know they started they started forcing the kids to wear masks all day at school and look I don't want to upset anyone's opinions on here but I was not a fan of that at all Um, I was not going to allow that to happen to my children and that sort of was the the nail in the coffin because 
they kept saying, you know, your kid's got to wear a mask for the next four weeks straight. And I'm like, well, she's not going to school then. So then she's home and we're trying to get school uh, schoolwork sent from the school to home. And I'm, and I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, we're basically homeschooling anyway. Like, what, what are we doing? We might as well just bite the bullet and actually homeschool. Um, not to mention my daughter was having a rough, a rough time at school. You know, she was, um, of, of the first, my older three kids that went through school, she did have the harder time, um, sort of in that environment and the environment seemed to be getting worse and worse each year. Um, I know when my eldest daughter was younger in school, it, it seemed maybe I was because I was in fiat land and, <laughs> you know, fiat mindset. I, I don't know back then, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's become more and more obvious to me that it wasn't a good setting for them. And um, I'm sure this isn't the case for, for everyone. I'm sure there's some phenomenal schools and people that have got their children absolutely thriving in school settings, but my daughter wasn't. And um, that was another reason why I thought we need to make a change. And so we did. And uh, that came with a lot of judgment from from people around us, um, not so much family, but definitely fr friend circles. Like, what are you doing? How's your kid going to socialise properly? That was the biggest thing I kept getting from everyone is how are they going to socialise properly? And I was like, is that really all we send our kids to school is so they can learn to talk to other people? Like, that's nonsense. They can be taught that so many ways. So anyway, I'd uh, come back to the point. So... Uh, within four weeks of homeschooling, I shit you not, man, my daughter was a different person. Like she was just flourishing being at home. And not only did we realise that what was taking six hours at school could be done in two and a half hours at home, that, that blew my mind. I was like, wow, she's actually not only completing her task, but, but getting better grades in less than 50% of the time that was spent at school. So I realised school was... Uh, a lot of wasted time, a lot of conformity, um, and also there was a whole lot of bullshit being taught to them. You know, I, I, she would come home and tell me, "Dad, I learned today there's 13 different genders," and I'm like, "What? <laughs> what you say?" And she'd also, you know, have have uh, you know, I teach my kids about Bitcoin. They're learning about it. They all stack in themselves. They've all got good stacks, you know, for young kids, and they all, you know, take portions of their, um, their their pay if they're working and also their allowances and you know their DCA and Bitcoin and have have been for years and then she'd go to school and her business her business um, uh, teacher would tell her that Bitcoin's a giant pyramid Ponzi scam and I'm like okay so you're a dad your dad's you know mid-30s and retired and this is 55 year old bloke who's still working a full time fiat job, um, telling you that <laughs> that Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme. Like this, this is getting beyond a joke. I, I've we've got to do something about this. So you know that obviously I'm not saying that that one comment is what pulled her out of school. It was a whole lot of different things, man. But um, yeah, so we we did that last year. She absolutely loves it. Um, I love it. I love spending time with her like that, like one-on-one -on -one quality time. Instead of working a job, you're sitting there with your with your child and actually 
interacting and watching how they learn and watching how they don't learn as well. That was another big thing. Like realize each child's so different. You know, the way my young son learns is entirely different to the way my, my teenage girl learns. You know, they got totally different styles. And so being able to have control over that and um, sort of mold the way you, you adapt the way you, you're, you're teaching them and being a part of it is a really nice feeling as a father. We, we love it. We spend, and also you fit it in with your lifestyle better instead of, you know, have, having to drag everyone out of bed and force feed them and, you know, put them in the car and drive them to school. And, you know, you, if you're a bit tired that morning and you, you want to have a sleep in, you can have a sleep in and then get up and start school at 10 o'clock. And when I say start school, like that, that might be us reading a book together or doing some math stuff together or teaching her how to run a node. You know, that's something my daughter's learning right now. <laughs> so, you know, this is, it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's nice being able to have a lot more say over what your kids get taught and um, also watching them thrive as well. Um, because one of, one of my biggest fears was with that, what's going to happen to my daughter? Is she going to, you know, is she, is she going to fall further behind? Am I going to be a shitty teacher? Um, I'm not a qualified teacher. How can I possibly, you know, do all of this? But I'm sure you had those fears too, printing when you first oh, yeah. started. But um, yeah, that that was real. It was a big fear, especially when you got friends in your ear telling you you're crazy. You don't have the qualifications for that, and um, you know all, all these. All you ever hear is the reasons why it's not going to work. And I thought, nah, stuff this. Let's focus on what could go right and um, see how it goes. You know, like. What's the worst case scenario? You're homeschooled for six months and it didn't work out. You send them back. Um, but that's absolutely not what's happened for us. And um, I'm, I'm sure there's some people that maybe haven't had a good experience with it, but I haven't met any as yet. And we've been introduced to a homeschooling community here and all I see is thriving kids and happier parents. Sure, you got your challenging days. Absolutely. But um, in overall, I think it's far better. That's my opinion on it, and we're only um, we're only probably nine months into homeschooling, so we're not anywhere close to a veteran or um, you know someone that's got the ultimate say on this. We're new, we're new to everything we're doing, but um, but it feels right so far. Yeah, and, and it's it's a tricky one as well, isn't it? For, for you know, as a father, as a whole family, you know, the the, the big adjustment that we found was all of a sudden, you know. You'd gone through those sleepless nights. You'd made the decision. You 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 know, finally found peace with what you were doing, and then you actually do it, uh, and you find oh holy shit the the monkey mind you can't turn it off, especially after that first two or three weeks. Uh, it, you might get away with the first two or three weeks because your monkey mind thinks you you might just be on holiday. This might just be a like a a short break, uh, but then. <laughs> it starts creeping up on you, uh, but it changes the whole family dynamic as well. And this is one thing that we certainly struggled with my, myself in particular. I went from full on hundred percent fiat nonsense guy, uh, corporate world, you know, working too many hours a day, not being around at the weekends, only seeing the kids perhaps two, three nights a week sort of thing to 24 hour, seven day a week, dad. And then not yeah. only that, 24-hour, <laughs> seven-day-a-week husband. Um, 
And yeah. now, now all of a sudden, I'm I'm making parenting decisions that are trampling all over the parenting decisions that have been put in place by my wife uh, uh, prior to that. Or you know, I'm I'm being too harsh on some things and too lenient on others. And it was just a mess. <laughs> it was just a fucking. I mess. choose the same thing, mate. Yeah, I hear you. Because you're right. Uh, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that weight sits on the shoulders of the mother in the majority of um, cases, um, because they're usually, you know, the ones that are handling all of that. Um, you know, the the rules at home, uh, what you can and can't do, and when you eat and what you eat, and um, you know, discipline style and all that kind of thing. The routine. And you're right when you when you're there. Yeah, the routine. Yeah, because I'm terrible at routines, man. I'll I'll admit that. Um, my wife's much better at routines, so that that caused some some clashes for us. But hey, you work through it, man. You work through it all, and you all grow from it. Yeah, you totally do. And then the, the you know the the point about identity as well. Walking away from the identity, having that identity crisis, that is a real struggle definitely something uh, you need to get on top of uh and so you, you you said you trained yourself to stop giving a fuck about how people viewed you or what they were what you yourself were thinking they were thinking about you right it's so hard yeah. to break this conditioning uh i i referenced this in the book um there, there's a an article by Mark Manson called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and he's turned it into a book. Yeah, uh, that, I read that book. It's a brilliant book. <laughs> it helps. It helps. It helps. <laughs> but it's true. Like, it, this is sort of the, the foundation of living a life like this because you're going to cop criticisms and, um, you know, you're going to hear everyone's going to project their uncertainties onto you. And they're all waiting for you. Not, that's not true. Not all. Some are waiting for you to fail and um, ready to celebrate when you do. And that can, like, for me, years ago, that that was crippling, the thought of that. So the work, doing the work first of learning how to not give a fuck, um, excuse my French, is is pretty important, I think. I think it's, it's part of the journey is, like, just learning not to care so much about what other people think and learning to do and not competing with other people too, you know, see it well, it's all about like, like you said, you're taught it from the age of five onwards. Everything's about competing with someone else. And that's, there's parts of that that's, that's great. You know, if you're doing sport and certain things that, you know, there's nothing wrong with competition, but I come to learn that really the only person to compete with is yourself. And, when when I had that realization and began just competing with myself every day, the opinions of others became fainter and fainter, and their effect on me became less and less. To the point now where it's nearly non-existent. It's never it's never gone completely. You'd have to be near. I don't know. Maybe some people can achieve that, but I'm not there. But I'm close to it. Where I don't really care <laughs> what other people think so much anymore um especially when it comes to what makes us happy and my family happy that's that's on that's on my shoulders no one else's and if i'm going to compete with someone i might as well compete with myself and try and be a little bit better of a dad than i was last week a little bit better of a husband to my wife than i was last week and it was a, a, a better person 
And that is not what I used to do in Fiat World at all. It was all about who could make the most comms that week, um, you know, and have a laugh over it at the expense of someone else. True, you know, by the way. But that's changed a lot. And I think that's probably a good place for people to start is there, learning to compete with yourself and not care so much about what others are thinking. Then you can become a, you get a bit more clarity on, on the decisions you're making and what your next step and next move is. Because it kept, it kept coming back to me all the time. Like I'd lay there in bed, the monkey mind just going batshit crazy. And every time I'd get to the bottom of it, it majority of the time it, just, it stemmed from I was worrying about what other people were going to think and how I would look if it didn't work. And I'm like, what am I doing? What, what, why does this even matter? It shouldn't. Yeah, it's mate, 100%. It helped me so much when I came to the realization that if you just sat with your thoughts and just looked at them objectively and then asked the question, why the fuck is that going through my mind? You know, yeah. and then the five whys, you know, why am I thinking that way? What's making me think that way? Why is it affecting me in such a way? Uh, and, you know, to bring it back to, to homeschooling and parenting again, there would be those times where I'd sit down with the kids and they'd ask me a question. Perhaps they'd hit a brick wall as something that they were trying to solve. And now I'm faced with trying to teach them long division. And my monkey mind, my, my 13 year old monkey mind just pops up out of fucking left field and says, yeah, remember your shit at math. You have no right to do this. You can't even do it yourself. Go on, try and solve this song. And I'd have to sit yeah. with that and I would feel that trauma and I would feel that psychological damage. And then what would end up happening would be, I've just got to own up here and show my, how old would she be in like nine or 10 year old daughter at the time? I don't even know. We got to learn this together. And so we'd flip open the laptop and we'd watch a bit of Khan Academy. And then, but then you have that moment, like you were talking about uh, where you sit down one-on-one -on -one, and the, the, I think the, the special part of that process is the realization for the kid that, oh, fuck, adults don't know everything. Because yeah, that's right. in school, you think adults know everything. So then you level the playing field, and that's where real magic starts to happen, especially in uh, education and learning. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I wish everybody can um, can experience those those kind of moments. But to get there, you have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I love what you just said, man, and it's so true that it's it's when you 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 kids look at you and you're like, hang on a minute, I thought you knew everything because you're an adult yeah. now. And it's like, no, no, darling, I no, not much about a great deal. To be <laughs> but uh, let's learn it together and uh, see how we go, eh? Well, you must have had to and, learn yeah, a I ton of shit, a... like, you know, dragging a, a 23 yeah. foot van around. You've never done that before, right? This is a whole education for you. you. All you'd ever had to do before was was turn a key in a door and walk in, right? Now, I mean, what are you yeah. doing? You've got to hitch the thing up. You've got to level it out. You've got to, uh, excuse me, once, once you've unhitched, you've got to level it out. You've got to know where all the gas uh, canisters are for the... Um, the oven and, and the, the gas hole brings and whatever you tell us like you must have gone through such a steep oh, learning man. curve yes we did and we, we still are you know like, oh come on what fuck ups have you made in the van 
Well, the the biggest one is I forgot to empty the toilet, and oh. in the caravans, oh, no. I've got I've got a toilet, yeah, a toilet canister that, you know, we've we've got a rule we're trying to hear to is don't shit in the caravan toilet. You can <laughs> use an outside toilet, but um, try and we only. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's got a little red dial at the back that lets you know when it's getting full. I didn't see that, and um, you know, my son's going to the toilet, and we we come back into the the toilet uh, area here, and like oh toilet's leaking it's weird is that water oh that's not water <laughs> what's going on <laughs> oh i've got to empty that thing right no, no one's told me that when i bought the caravan you know it's all simple stuff like that where you, you learn on the go man so that's um that that's one of the the, the jobs i've got to do as a, as a traveling dad now which is empty the toilet every three days and you, you know you've got to do that walk of shame across the wherever you are, the caravan park, or and you've got to go to the dump point and empty it out. There's nothing fun about that. But, I, you know, it's like this little canister that you pull out and you, you flip up this um, you flip up this sort of handle from the back and it's on wheels and you walk it along like a suitcase. And I just tell myself I'm off to the airport every time. <laughs> I'm going on a trip. <laughs> so there's that. Um, you know, oftentimes the water tanks will run empty and, yeah, you, your wife's in the mid shower and she's screaming out like the water's stopped working, and I'm like, what? What's going on? The water's not working, and you got to go outside and work out which lever to turn. And yeah, man, it was, it was a big, it was a steep learning curve, but it was, you know, it's a, it's all a whole lot easier to um to, to learn and not stress about when you don't have to get up at six a.m. and go to a mind-numbing job. So I'm not complaining in the least, not at no, all. It's all fun. Not. And what what do you use to um to drag it? Uh, we've got a it was a four wheel drive. Um, it's a Jeep actually, and we've got a, a another dream towing rig that we want to get, which is an American truck called the Dodge Ram. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always said to the missus that we will get that when Bitcoin's over over hundred grand. Um, right. Not a moment before. And that's because we've become very wise with how we spend, you know, we're not allowed to spend more than 3% of our net worth on this toy or 4% on that. And, and it happens when it happens. And um, yeah, we, we've become very patient on things like that. So we've got a great tone rig at the moment, but we've got a, a, a bigger and better dream and it'll happen when it happens. So it's a Jeep, that, that's the mark, yeah? Yeah, it's a Jeep, yeah. Right, Jeep, gotcha. Jeep uh, <laughs> Grand Cherokee. Yep. Um, not a not a bad tow, very luxurious to drive around. Um, but we're right on our limits, you know. It can it can tow three and a half ton, and our caravan weighs two point nine ton dry. And then once you start, this was this was a challenging thing to learn about. I just thought you bought a caravan, put put all your stuff in it, and drove off. But yes, particularly here in Australia, they're they're hot on it. The transport department, they will. Um, They'll pull you up on the side of the road and make you drive onto these um, little, you know, weigh dishes, and they'll weigh you on the side of the road. And if you're ten kilos over, you cop a thousand dollar fine. What? So we, we we're only allowed to, yeah, man. Um, I heard a horror story the other day when we took our van across the way bridge for the first time. We wanted to see where we were. We're fifty kilos over, by the way. So we had to we had to uh, was that the toilet minimalize further. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> I had to the toilet. It was a good fifteen kilos there, but um, yeah. And the lady was telling us that this this uh, elder, uh, not an elderly couple, but an older couple in their sixties um, had family uh, in 
Western Australia that they were sick and they needed to go and help them. So they were in Queensland. They sold their house and they bought the nice car and they bought the big van and they loaded all their stuff in and they drove across Australia to go and live with their family and support a sick family member. And they were eight kilos over and they unfortunately were in an accident and they crashed into another car and another caravan and uh, did a lot of damage and wrote them off and everyone was okay, but the, the, the vehicles weren't. And the bill was close to $400,000 and the insurance was denied because when transport weighed them, they were eight kilos over. So there's a lot to learn when you're traveling. Like you can, you can have all the insurance, but if you're overweight, um, you're going to get denied. You know, an insurance company is like Princey, they'll take the money, but they'll, uh, they're a bit slower to hand it out if they can find a clause not to. So, yeah, we're like teetering, like we've got three and a half tons we can play with. And we are teetering right on the edge of it. You know, if we go shopping for groceries, um, we could potentially be over by five, 10 kilos or something. So this is why we need the bigger tow rig, um, which will give us another, another uh, fair few hundred kilos of playroom. So for now, we're just sort of being very careful. It's crazy, hey? Yeah, that's nuts. It's all things you got to learn yourself, you know, reading the fine prints and, um, yeah, that's a big learning curve for me. All right, so let's let's hit the plebs with um, what's your – you're going to be moving pretty solidly over the next six months or do you find a a nice spot and that's where you're going to sit or you you just go from site to site where you've got the facilities? How do you work it? So we've we've found a really beautiful place in Perth Um, and because my older kids are, are, you know, we're really tight. Um, We love spending a lot of time together. But because they're both working their jobs, and just new into their careers and things like that. They're set and stuck here in Perth. So we've found a lovely place here that will be base for us, that we'll come back to often. And like we're next week, we're about to head off down south, um, down towards Denmark Way, which you've probably explored down that way yourself when you were here. Um, and then from there, we're going to head back past up north, a place called Durian Bay in Cervantes and do some beach camping where we pull the van right because you're allowed to do that in certain spots pull right up on the beach and you know the uh the ocean's literally at your doorstep so yeah we're gonna do that we have we have no fixed itinerary or anything we just when i said we go where the wind blows we really are living like that at the moment and uh each week we just sort of decide do we want to stay here or should we move on and we'll just when we get a bit bored of a place we just hitch up and go so that feels pretty cool um i've always thrived on uncertainty so that that suits me very well um and yeah my wife's happy to just follow along she loves adventure she loves exploring so yeah we get some cool places to explore it's our natural state i think don't you yeah it feels very natural to me man very and and the other thing is all the, the people that we meet oh man we meet some good people bro like the people that are living this lifestyle, uh, we've met so many families that are now homeschooling and are on their second, third, fourth, fifth year on the road in caravans. And that gives me hope. Like, wow, you guys look proper happy and healthy and fit. And, you know, like, this is good. Uh, 
this is where I can see us um, going as well. Because a lot of people say, oh, you'll get sick of this, man. Six months and you'll be like, nah, I just, you, you'll want to buy a house and you'll want to go back and you'll want to get a job because you won't feel like you're contributing. And, and these are all like real concerns in my head. Like, will, will that happen? And again, we're just like, well, what else can we do but play it month by month and see how it all goes? And then when you meet these families that are two, three, four years in and uh, loving it and thriving, you know, I met a family here where we are a week ago and um, they're, they're two years into their travels, homeschooling, and they're Bitcoiners. I'm like, mm. oh, my God. <laughs> we had some great chats, man. New best friends. Yeah, it was like that. So we all, you know, we connect on, um, I feel like we've got, two two different worlds at the moment because I, I love Twitter. I love spending a lot of time on Twitter with other Bitcoiners, but I've remained anonymous on there. And then in this life, you know, we've got a traveling page that we run and we're constantly connecting and meeting with other people. And um, I feel like we're making some lifelong friends, man. There's some really good people. And my son, you know, he wakes up in the morning. He's five. He rolls out of bed. He's half asleep, he walks out the caravan door, he gets on his bike and he just goes. And he goes and mingles with like legit 20 to 30 other kids um, and does comes back when he's hungry and thirsty. And then when he comes back for food, we grab him, put him down in the seat. I still a bit of schooling, we'll do some Spanish, still a bit of math together, read a book. Uh, and then he takes off again. And, you know, this, this whole fear I had of, oh no, it wasn't a fear, I had all so much but one that was projected onto me by a lot of people of you, your kids won't socialize i'm like this is nonsense <laughs> he's socializing very very well that is i've said it a hundred times that's the bitcoin bulls the oceans equivalent fud of, of the homeschool world that uh, your kids aren't going to socialize yeah. um i'm, I'm not sure if you've, i'm not sure if you've read it but if you haven't you'd love it, it it's called uh, free to learn by peter gray um and no, you know, I'll write it down. Yeah, that that's what your son is living right there. That that's that's amazing because not only is he socializing, he's socializing with kids across a different age spectrum, uh, which is something he'd never be allowed to do in uh, you know a conventional schooling system. And also check out a film if you've not seen it, Captain Fantastic. Sit down and watch that family movie. Uh, okay. Once, once okay. you get all the gigs, once you all downloaded the gigs. Make sure uh, you know you get the popcorn going <laughs> and sit down and watch will, Captain man. Fantastic. You all of you will love it, and you'll you'll cry laughing uh, with despair, all kinds of stuff. It's a great film, uh, and it's yeah. I want I want no no more spoilers. Definitely check it out. But I, I that, should hit man. you with I'll, I will. I'll check all of that out. I'll hit you with the last question. Uh, if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to, and why? I wish you'd asked me that at the, before so I could give this some thought. <laughs> One person. Oh. Hey, Princey, I've got no one coming to mind, mate. <laughs> I should have remembered you asked this to everyone at the end of the podcast. So yeah. It'll probably be... Um, oh. I can't think, mate. 
I'm sorry, I've draw, I've drawn a complete blank here. No worries. I mean, if it, you Pro- can't yeah. you can't force these things. Yeah, I can't, you know what? As soon as we stop talking, someone's going to pop into my mind, and I'm going to I'm going to DM it straight to you. But that doesn't help everyone listen to this thinking this guy's brain's broken. But I'm sorry, Cleb. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think I can't think off the top of my head someone that's worth giving my last orange pill to. Now, if I had a hundred, I'd have a lot come to mind. But um, I've got something I want to read to you, Prince, if you don't mind. It's from your book. And oh, really? Okay. It's, it's a little. Yeah, it's a little it's a little couple of paragraphs that a year ago when I was first reading your book and I was having a lot of um a lot of anxiety around whether I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing, this one sort of stuck with me. So it's it's only short, so I'll read it. It says if you have some unfinished business in the corporate world, it can wait. There is no reason you can't walk back into a company at age fifty and still work for twenty years from there. For now, this is your job. This is your career. And it is the most important one you'll ever have in your life. Plus, sadly, it will only last another 10, 10 to 15 years in its current state. So be the best father you can be to your children possibly can. Do as much with them as you possibly can. Leave absolutely nothing on the table and put every ounce of energy into this project. And I was, that hit me, man, like a ton of bricks because I was like, yeah, you're right. This This can be my project this can be what i'm supposed to do this can be the because every man that's listened to this has got this thing in here where you've got to be building creating achieving and i agree with that you absolutely do and that was something i was really struggling with and so when i read that i realized that yeah prince is right you can make this lifestyle for your family the spending time with them the homeschooling them that can be the project, the thing that you get up and do every day, the thing you put your heart and soul into. And and I can't imagine anyone going down this road and looking back with regret. So, yeah, I just wanted to read that back to you, man. Probably never had anyone read your book back to you, but um, thanks for writing it, mate. It, it played a part in, in helping us make this decision. Oh, that's huge, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's weird having someone read that back to you and, and knowing that it, that specific paragraph might have touched well it certainly touched you it might have touched others but yeah that there might be other paragraphs in there that uh, are affecting people in, in different ways and yeah of course when you write it you ship it you get it out there you get some feedback but no I, i've never had someone read it back to me and um yeah so yeah very <laughs> well, touching first Thank man you. and hey i've just someone's just popped into my head um who would i orange peel with my last pill this might sound strange, but it would probably be Warren Buffett. And that's because his statement of calling Bitcoin rat poison has pissed me off to no end for so many years that I would love to give him the last orange pill just to hear him admit he's wrong. So there you go. There's an answer. I love it. I love it. And then, well, he, <laughs> him and um, uh, Charlie, right? They, they fill stadiums of people still shilling them pointless fiat bullshit investment strategies all they got to do is this and while i into bitcoin i know man i know it's literally the answer and while i know we don't need people like him to be promoting or shilling bitcoin as you say i would just like to see that happen just to see me eat some humble pie one day although i know that is likely never going to happen yeah well we can uh bitcoin 
finds you when you uh, when you most need it, right? Or you know, you get in at the price you deserve. So for Warren, that might be never. That's right, man. <laughs> it might be never. It might be never. Yeah, I don't think he deserves Bitcoin, man. But anyway, all right, bro. bro. I appreciate you having me on, man. I love chatting with you. I love your podcast. I love how you get Lauren on at the start. It's what you're doing is awesome. I love it, mate. Thanks, thanks for being uh, a great Bitcoin pleb and for everything you you you're doing, putting out on Bitcoin Twitter, inspiring other people to look at uh, this this opposite lifestyle, this parallel lifestyle, if you like. Uh, you know, selling everything up, getting a van, going on adventures, spending time with the kids. True inspiration. This is self sovereignty at its greatest, and it, it's backed by Bitcoin. And you you found a way to do it, and and it's just amazing. I'm sure many people are going to reach out in your DMs and and hopefully can emulate what you've managed. There, it's not as big a risk as most people would think, and yeah, it's just about getting the wheels turning. Yeah, sure. And on that point, to anyone that does want to hit me up in the DMs, I always love chatting with other Bitcoiners. So. Proper love Bitcoin Twitter. I know it's a crazy place, but I love chatting with other Bitcoiners. So yeah, if you want to hit me up in the DMs, I'll always respond to, to everyone. I've only got a tiny account, so it's not like I'm overwhelmed like you guys are, Princey. So yeah, anyone that wants to hit me up, Bitcoin Maxi Hoddle. All right, brother. Well, thanks for coming in. We, we better close it down. It's the first of the month and we've probably done all of your gigs. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Your daughter's going to be on well, you. Thanks again, Princey. <laughs> oh, mate, she'll leave. <laughs> All right, mate. See you later. Have a great day. Man. Cheers, brother. Bye. See ya. Well, there you go, plebs. If you're not following Maxi Hoddle already, give him a shout on DMs. He's ready for you. He wants to talk Bitcoin. He wants to talk extricating himself and his family away from the system and creating a life of freedom this is what we're here to do it's so damn bullish when you hear these stories uh please give him uh, a shout out he would uh, he would love to hear from you as he said at the end there and uh you know again mate uh, i've just listened back to the end there his very personal touch that you put in there uh talking about the book and, and reading a passage from that i'm very humbled that that had a huge moment in your life in your decision making uh that's the reason i wrote the book it was never uh, a vanity project it was never for money it was just to help a another family out there that might have found themselves in the same spot that my wife and i found ourselves in back in 2014 so if any other plebs out there have uh, have interest in, in learning more about that like i said at the beginning just go find choose life it's on amazon you can find it on my pinned profile unfortunately i cannot ship it directly to you uh, i cannot accept uh, lightning for it you'll just have to go with amazon i am going i keep promising people i'm going to read it i'll release it chapter by chapter i hope on the once bitten podcast and then uh anybody can stream sats when they listen to it via fountain app or breeze uh breeze wallet which are two great places to listen to your podcasts anyway thanks guys so much for listening don't forget to hit up the show sponsors it's swanbitcoin.com all these links are in the show notes as you know uh and that will unlock uh in swan in the case of swan it'll unlock 10 bucks when you sign up with them uh, in the us swanbitcoin.com relay.ch across europe 
Bitcoin Reserve as well across Europe. BitcoinReserve.com. They can help you with a white glove service. 50 grand and over. CoinCorner.com. Doing great things. Set up an auto buy on the exchange. Check out the conferences being run by BitcoinDay.io. And make sure you are in control of your keys. Use the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin Only Edition Hardware Wallet from Shift crypto.ch catch you on the next show guys